stay the same that we were yesterday. Don't let us stay the same we were last year. Don't let us stay the same we were the year before. God, we want to be closer to you. We want to be more of what you are, God. What you want us to be.
God, I pray that your power would be released in families, God. I pray that your anointing would be released in families, Lord. Today, as families would leave, they would be ignited right now. As the Holy Spirit falls on them, Lord, they would be ignited right now, Lord, with your power. Lord, we pray for ministries represented here at Life Church, God. We pray for the children's ministry right now. Let your Holy Spirit fall and baptize them with fire. Baptize them with the physical evidence of speaking in tongues. Right now, you anoint Pastor Tracy. God, you fill that place with power. God, we pray for that next generation. We pray for those children, God. They would be set on fire for you. God, they would be anointed for you, God. We pray for ministries here. We pray for Pastor Bob as he prepares to come and give a word, Lord. We pray that your anointing would be great upon his life. Your power would be great upon his life right now, God. Thank you, Jesus. We honor you. We glorify you. Lord, we pray you would make a way for the lost, God. We pray that you would give us a platform and a presence in the community. Lord, that there would be freedom on this campus, God. There would be freedom and deliverance when people would come, Lord. They would experience peace, God, and power. Jesus, we worship you. God, we honor you. Lord, that you bless this service here today that it would be everything that you would have it to be, that you would receive worship, you would receive honor. God, your word says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Lord, we worship you this morning. God, we honor you. Just turn your attention to him, 45 seconds. Just express your gratefulness. Express praise to him this morning. God, we lift you up and we honor you this morning. Lord, that you would be lifted up, God. You would be magnified in our life, oh Jesus. Oh, thank you, God. We worship you and we honor you, oh God. We thank you for healing. We thank you, God, for deliverance. We thank you for freedom. We thank you for peace, God. That fear and anxiety has to bow. That every name has to bow. That fear and anxiety has to break. That mental illness has to break. Right now, God, we just thank you and we honor you that sickness has to bow at the name of Jesus. Yes, God, we worship you.
them to service this morning on this Louisiana winter morning. <laughs> this weather came out of nowhere, but it's beautiful. It's great. It's wonderful. Well, good morning, Life Church. It is so great to see you. I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Josh. I'm one of the associate pastors on staff. I want to welcome you to service this morning. We're so glad that you decided to be with us this morning. If this is your first time with us, we invite you to visit the Welcome Center after service. We've got a special gift for you. Uh, we ask that you fill out a connect card so that we can get to know you and help you find your place in God's kingdom and help you find your place in our church. We want to get to know you. We want to connect with you. And we do have a special gift for you. I do have an announcement I want to remind you guys about. This Sunday, look at somebody and say this Sunday. This Sunday starts our week of prayer and fasting. We've been talking about it for a while now. You've heard us, Pastor Bob preached on fasting last week. And I believe this is going to be the catalyst to kick off what God is going to do in our life this year. Man, I believe in fasting. I've seen fasting do powerful things in my life. Fasting is powerful. Look at somebody and say, powerful. Fasting is powerful. And so this week kicks off our week of prayer and fasting and uh, it's an individualistic basic it looks like whatever you want it to look like in your life we've got um, information at the welcome center to help you navigate through that and also I wanted to remind you that with that we'll have our Wednesday night prayer service and then which is this Wednesday and then this Friday we'll have a special night of worship that's going to start at 7 p.m. say seven o'clock 7 o'clock this Friday is going to be a special service, and man, it's going to be awesome. You're, going to, you're not going to want to miss it. You're going to want to be there. It's going to be a time of worship, and we're going to have some prayer topics sprinkled in there. There will be different individuals that will be praying, and it's going to be powerful. And then ultimately, our week of prayer and fasting will climax next Sunday where Pastor Bob is going to give a vision Sunday and what God has done. And, um, and this is going to set the precipice for year man I just really know I can sense the spiritual temperature is changing and God is doing an amazing work amen amen hey I wanted to remind you guys about the opportunity to give here at Life Church we've got boxes on the back wall we've got a text to give feature we've also got a website where they have a giving option there and we've also got a Life Church app so we want you to be afforded every opportunity to partner with God in giving we don't want you to miss out on that how many of you ready for the word this morning amen pastor Bob about now oh yeah that more's better praise the lord um before i get started uh hopefully as you came in you were handed a card that looks like this if you did not get one did not receive one and would you raise your hand we want to hand one the hand hand this out to you there's a few come on ushers did a great job getting those out Thank you, Sharon, for helping me get those put together. And um, I'll explain what this is about. Well, I'll just tell you now, because 
because you're going to have a time. We're going to have a time at the end of the service about it. Um, as you can see, it says a call to fast and pray 2022. Notice it doesn't say this week. <laughs> and, um, but it just says, according to God's word, I purpose to fast and pray and believe God for the following. And there's several blanks that you could fill in. And you say, well, why do I got two of them? I'm, I'm a firm believer that we have to be reminded of things, of choices we've made, decisions we've said. And so uh, these cards are perforated down the middle. And at the end of the service, you see there's a container right here. And I'm taking my card I've already filled out. And I'm going to drop it in. And at the end of the service, I'm going to ask you to prayerfully consider this. I, and I, I believe... And this is going to happen. Some of you have been thinking about it already, but I believe as I'm ministering, you're, you're going to have thoughts and you can write it down. And if you run out of room on the front, write it on the back. It don't matter. God can read both sides. <laughs> but this is, this, this is, we're, we're going to make this a collection of our prayers and the reasons for our fasting. You know, the Bible says in Revelation that the prayers of the saints are held in bowls or vials. And I'm convinced, I remember one day when I was much younger, I was praying about that and said, Lord, why, why haven't I seen these prayers come to pass? He said, your bowl's half empty. And I realized that God's collecting all those prayers. Well, this is gonna be kind of our little vial or bowl or whatever on earth. And brother, we're going to pray on Wednesday nights about every single thing that's in here. And we may even do it on Sunday morning, every single thing. We'll have cards all throughout. We're going to make up some prayer, regular prayer cards, and you can be able to take those prayer cards and fill them out before service and bring them down here. And we'll have a time of dedication and prayer. You said, is that just, you know, going through the motion? No, it's not. It brings focus. It brings focus and clarity that this is what it's about. And, and, and I don't believe that God just overlooks that as some simplistic kind of thing. It is me bringing my request before God and then I take this home and I put it where I'm gonna see it every day. Because see, it's not about me and everybody else praying for your request and you don't pray. A lot of people have said to me over the years, Pastor, pray for me. I want to ask, I said, have you prayed for yourself? Have you prayed first yourself? Well, no, well, then I'm not praying for you. I'm not going to do you praying. But I will agree with you in prayer. Is that, is that okay? So that's what these cards are for. I already put mine in, that's where it's at. And so I'm going to keep mine right here and put it in my Bible so I don't, and then I'm going to take it and I'll see it every single morning. And basically, I'm going to say, Lord, I'm in agreement with what I wrote down according to your word. And I declare it not only for this week of fasting, but for 2022. This is for the year 2022. And I believe that God is going to be faithful because God is faithful. He said, if you ask, I will do. So how many of you are ready to hear what God's word says? All right. 
the message this morning is simply called God's Chosen Fast in Isaiah 58. Now, I am going to say this from the outset. For those of you that don't know, there is a book that's been around for many, 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 many years by Arthur Wallace called God's Chosen Fast. But that's not the reason I took this uh, graph and, and, and made these graphics and stuff. I'm going by what God's Word said. I, I preached on fasting last week, some very practical things. And, and all this week, I'm probably going to be typing in on our private Facebook page. If you're not a part of that private Facebook page, just send me a note, and I'll make sure that you get on it if you want to. It's a place where we can share prayer requests and testimonies and, and things like that. Um, but I, I'm going to be putting hints out there probably every single day or ideas. I've had people texting me questions. Is it okay if I do this or I do this? Again, we are not coming to your door to check and see if I smell chocolate on your breath or whatever it is, you know, or garlic or whatever. I mean, the types of fasting we talked about and they're out there. Uh, and, and so you can go get that or listen to last week's message, okay? But this today marks the day of our declared week of the corporate fasting and prayer. And what I want you to understand, I need to say it from the beginning, this is not a one-off kind of thing, um, but it is, it is a lifestyle that every believer should choose. When Jesus was on the earth, he told his disciples, when you pray. He didn't say if you pray. And he said, when you fast. He didn't say if you fast. And he said, and when you give. He didn't say if you give. So these are commands of the Lord that are to be a part of our lifestyle. Uh, but this is a week of corporate fasting. And I preached a couple of Wednesday nights ago about the power there is in agreement together. The Bible makes it clear that there is power, there is authority, there is strength that comes when followers of Jesus Christ have one focus, one mind, one vision, uh, and one purpose. And when we, we decide together, and I use the illustration, and I use it again. If I took 10 people, gave them 10 shovels, and put them on the same plot of ground and said, Ted, dig 10 holes, at the end of an hour, we'd have 10 holes about yay so deep, maybe some a little deeper than the rest. But if I took 10 people and said, dig me a hole in the next hour, I guarantee you, you're going to have one big hole. And all that is is everybody working together. And, and, and doing the same thing, but the results is greater. So when we are corporately praying and corporately fasting together, something powerful begins to take place. I thank you for that, amen. <laughs> now, you may have noticed that a lot of Christians uh, this time of year, begin, uh, there's a big emphasis on fasting. A lot of churches have a big emphasis on fasting about at the first of the year. Now, this is just kind of some background historical thing I thought I'd throw in there just for those of you that may be interested. If you're not, I'll be there with you in a minute, okay? But in the Bible, in the Old Testament, God gave the, the people of Israel seven feast days. And feast days are not what we think about here in South Louisiana. They were not days of feasting. They were actually holy days. That's, what the, that's what, the, what the word stands for. And, and it was a day that God required Israel to honor him. And uh, one of those feast days 
is called Rosh Hashanah, or you may hear it as Rosh Hashanah, but it's Rosh Hashanah is the correct pronunciation of it. And it says, and, 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 and while the Bible is clear about these things, these feast days are appointments with God, okay? And, and this one is unique in that it is, it means the head of the year. Now you have to understand something, that there is a Jewish calendar and there is a secular calendar. We live by the Gregorian calendar and it's actually not accurate. That's why we have 365 and a quarter days a year. And then once a year, you gotta have a leap year because they've got it mixed up and done wrong, but you know. And they actually started it a few years later because history shows that Jesus was actually born before zero BC. But that's beside the point, now that I've confused you. Uh, there's a Jewish calendar because it, it's based upon Rosh Hashanah, which is the head of the year. They also, and their businesses, have a secular calendar, and it's based upon the calendar that the rest of the world goes by. So you'll see in Israel fireworks on January 1st, but that's not the new year for Jews who follow what the scripture says because the Jewish calendar is based upon cycles of the moon as well as the sun. The, the, the months correspond to cycles of the moon and the years correspond to the cycles of the sun. So basically you have 12 months that are 30 days each. And that's why their calendar is 360 days versus 365 and a quarter and then throw in the extra year. So the new year usually starts around the month of September, sometime in the month of September. This past year, uh, on September 18th, I think it was, 16th, 18th, uh, it began the new year, the new Jewish year. And it's, I think it's 57, 81, 82, somewhere around there. I forget exactly what the number is, but it doesn't matter. Whereas a lot of the other uh, holy days are marked with... Um, celebration or, or, or other types of things. Um, Rosh Hashanah is more of a serious, takes on a serious note. There is some food and things like that that go on. But the sound that is noted is the blowing of the shofar. And it initiates the 10 days of awe that will lead up to the next holy day, which is Yom Kippur. And that is the day of atonement. So Rosh Hashanah, the first of the year, the head of the year, the shofar is sounded. And it's a reminder to the people that for the next 10 days, known as the 10 days of all, they are to do soul searching and, and, and spend time with God and even fasting and, and seeing to where they stand with God. I won't go into Jewish folklore and stuff like that of what it all means. But it's to remind them that these 10 days are 10 days of repentance and 10 days of getting, making, checking their life and reviewing their life and everything else because on, that after that comes Yom Kippur, it's the day of atonement. And, and um, so you have these 10 days, but on, on Yom Kippur, it's required from the beginning of the day, which a Jewish day begins at 6 p.m. and then all the way through the next 6 p.m. that they are to fast 24 hours completely. No water, not even water to brush your teeth. So I guess they don't brush their teeth. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. And, 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 uh, and so they fast. And, and my point in telling you this is that God says 
at the head of the year, this is important that you have a time of self-reflection and look at your life and what it, where it's at and everything else. Let's look at the scripture in Leviticus 23. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, be careful to celebrate the day of atonement on the 10th day of the same month, nine days after the festival of trumpets. And you must observe it as an official day for holy assembly, a day to deny yourselves. Again, you'll notice I've put in there in brackets and read fast. That is what denying self means. That's what fasting is. It's denying self. And he says, and present a food offering to the Lord. And basically there, what he's saying is, he said, instead of feeding yourself, bring an offering to me. Not that God's hungry, but he's trying to point out that this is the day that you deny yourself in a fast and bring a food offering. And that was all spelled out in the law. And it says, and this will be a Sabbath day of complete rest to you. Um, I want to stop and think about it. I mean, it's like you, you're not cooking, you're not doing anything. It's just totally to God. And that's what he's saying. This is a special holy Sabbath day. And he says, he says, then he says, that, um, he said, let me see where you're at. And, and then he goes back, he says, and you must observe it as an official day uh, of, for a holy assembly, a day to deny yourselves and present a food offering. And on the next day, you must deny yourselves. And this day of rest will begin at sundown of the ninth day of the month, extend until sundown of the 10th day. So God is just basically saying this to the people of Israel. If you want my favor, and if you want my blessing, Start off the year fasting and seeking me. That's what he's saying. In fact, I'll just throw this in as a side note. That many biblical scholars, you remember when, G, when God led the children of Israel out, out of Egypt, he provided for them manna. And he told them, if you go out and collect the manna every day, it'll be there. And, and don't, don't take more than you need for the day. And remember some of the Jews said, you know, hey, if I collect enough for tomorrow, I don't have to get up and go out and collect it. And when they came back, the stuff they had collected the day before was rancid. But on the seventh day, God said, pick enough for that day. And it stayed good. But you know what God was actually saying in there? If you, if you want, you could take the Sabbath completely off and fast. And many health experts will tell you that there is a physical healing aspect to give in your body time off from digestion. And I don't have time to go into all that. The point is that God is saying at the first of the year, at the head of the year, spend time in reflection and time in repentance and time in making wise choices and put me first. So fasting is not limited to the first of the year. It's just a great way to start it. And that's why a lot of churches uh, in the last dozen years or, or more have begun their year, their church year by fasting. So we're going to look in the book of Isaiah chapter 58. And, and the reason is, I told Pastor Josh this Wednesday night, I said, I just can't get away from this. I was actually going to go somewhere else, but all week long I've been going back to this, going back to this. And, and people have texted me some questions about fasting. And I said, you know what? 
let's look what God's word says about the perfect fast. And, and in Isaiah 58, in verses 1 through 5, I'm not going to read all of that, but the people are fasting and they're complaining to God. And God rebukes them. In fact, in Isaiah 58 and 3, look what it says. The people are saying, why have we fasted and you do not see? Why have we humbled ourselves and you do not take notice? So then God goes on to point out that their fasting has just become a ritual. Because he says, he says you may be going without food, but you're still continuing in your sin. And he points out specific things. He says there's fighting and jealousy and you're being cruel to your employees and, and he going on and on. And he says, so what's so righteous about your fast? And, and, and that's what he's saying there. He said, look, you can fast all you want and say you're doing it in God's name, but if there's no change in your life, it's not bringing change. And, and then, then, then it's, 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 it's pointless. It really is. And so beginning in verse 6 through verse 8 and 9, God points out nine benefits to a godly fast, okay? So let's look at this. And the first one is, he says, fast so that others can, you or others can be free from addictions. Verse 6 says this, is this not the chosen fast? Is this not the fast that I have chosen? to loose the bonds of wickedness, okay? So God starts right out of the gate. He says, this is the type of fast that I've chosen, and here's the, the first one. It's a powerful picture because a bond is something you would use to bind someone so that they would lose their freedom. For example, <clears throat> a, a physical bonds would be a chain or a rope or or like handcuffs or something like that, okay? But these, we're not talking about physical bondages right now. We're talking about spiritual bondages because I'm telling you that the many of the addictions and things that people have, there's a spiritual root to it. And he says, this is the fast that I have chosen to break the bonds of wickedness, okay? We're to fast and loose those bonds of wickedness. There are people who are literally enslaved and in spiritual bondage today. Now the Bible clearly states that to whom the Son sets free is free indeed. God wants his followers to be free. If you are a follower of Christ, a believer in Christ, a disciple of Jesus Christ, a Christian or whatever tagline you want to put on it, there should be nothing in your life that exerts power over you except Jesus. And he doesn't exert it. He simply says, follow me. I remember years ago when I was a teenager, there was a little course that came out and it just says, take possession of me. And you think, whoo, well, it was in the height of the early part of the deliverance movie. He said, take possession of me. Oh, thou mighty Holy Ghost, take possession of me. How many of you think that's a good song? I mean, that's a good word. Lord, let the Holy Ghost take possession of me. You, in other words, there should not be things in your life 
that are exerting its way over your life. And yet there may be things in your life that you want to lay down, but you've been unable to do so. You may say, I've tried to quit smoking, but I can't. Or I, I don't want to do drugs anymore, but I can't. I just struggle. Try fasting. I don't want to watch porn anymore. Try fasting. I just can't seem to stop using profanity. Try fasting. I keep on getting drunk and I want to be free. Try fasting. I don't, I'm tired of losing control of my temper. Try fasting. And look, we could do this all day long, but I'm telling you, the bonds of wickedness need to be broken. You can't will power over those kinds of things. You can't will over a demon that's exerting oppression over you and raising up and bringing you down every time. Jesus didn't say learn to live in compatibility with wickedness. He says, what does light have to do with darkness? Nothing. So there are all kinds of things that the Bible calls bondages. And see, Satan wants to keep people bound up in sin. We can say that Jesus sets us free, but when we go home and we're bound to a, an addiction or bound to a sin or bound to something, it's, then Jesus hasn't set us free in that area. And so the Bible tells us that, that look, we can get serious. If we're going to get serious about walking in victory, the victory's won. Listen to me. Jesus won the victory. It's paid for. It's done. The difference is whether or not we walk in it. Okay? And if we're going to get serious about it, then we need to demonstrate it by fasting. You say, well, how does that work exactly? When we fast for ourselves, we are enacting a biblical principle. And you don't hear it talked about much these days, but there's a principle in the Bible that is called, talks about crucifying the flesh. When was the last time you ever heard anybody use that phrase? I think 40 years for me, probably. I mean, you say, what does that mean, crucifying the flesh? Well, we know what crucifying is. Jesus was crucified on a cross. The flesh is that part of us that desires to satisfy or gratify the sinful nature that was in our lives. Paul in the book of Romans says, the things I don't want to do are the things I do, and the things I want to do are the things I don't do. Oh, what a wretched man am I. I'm like, whoa, I mean, I'll never forget the day I heard that. I remember as a young teenager, I just moved from California to Alabama, that was a culture shock in and of itself. But I found a man of God, a, a businessman who knew the word, and, and he became my spiritual father. And, and every time I had a problem, I'd run to the phone booth. Some of you don't even know what that is. <laughs> and it was a phone booth about four blocks away from my house. And I'd, I'd put that dime in and I'd call Brother Joe and I'd cry to him. And there were times he'd listen and he'd teach me the word. And other times he'd correct me over the phone. And 
He knew when to jerk my chain and when to be passive and, and, and pat me on the head and encourage me. And, and I told him, I said, I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm trying not to do all these things. I was a baby Christian. And he told me, he said, son, he said, you need to crucify the flesh. I'm going, do, do what to what? And he said, and then he quoted these scriptures from Romans. And then I found a little book like that by David Wilkerson. And, and it talked about the tug of war that goes on inside of us. And, and how the sinful nature, though we're born again, it wants to rise up. And if we let it, it will take control. And one of the ways you take control over it is by physically fasting. Because what it does is the spiritual man stands up inside of us and says no to the sinful nature that is there. And it begins to exert power over those things in our lives. And if you control your appetite for food, you can control it for any other area. I'm just telling you. And besides that, when you fast, you're drawing near to God. Years ago, I had a friend had a bumper sticker and he had it on the windshield of his car, on the door. Uh, the dashboard of his car. And you say, well, why would he put a bumper sticker there? Because back in those days, when you pulled in a gas station, they pumped the gas and washed your windows. And every time they'd spray that stuff on there and they'd wipe the windows, there was a bumper sticker. And they said, if you feel far from God, then guess who moved? <laughs> That's the truth. When you're fasting, you're not only denying yourself the, the desires of your flesh, you're drawing near to God. People say, I just have a hard time. I don't know how to get God in my life. Fast. Try fasting. And when you're fasting for others to be delivered from addiction, God sees that and he is able to turn up the heat of Holy Spirit power in their lives. They may not know what's going on, but you do. You and God have a covenant together. And God is able to bring the conviction of the Holy Spirit upon their lives. He's able to wake them up in the night. He's even able to bring people you don't even know into their life. Fasting and prayer works to set people free, okay? Number two, fast so that you can solve difficult problems. How many of you have ever met a, made a bad choice and lived with the bad decision? right? There is no problem so big that God cannot solve it. Now you need to write that down. I'm telling you, there's no problem so big that God cannot solve them. There's no problem so complex or powerful that God cannot handle it. The scripture tells us that God is omniscient. He's all knowing and he's all powerful. And beyond that, the scripture tells us that God says that this chosen fast is, is not only to loose the bands of wickedness, but it's to undo the heavy burdens, okay? There are some people who are carrying around heavy burdens that God never intended for you to carry around. There are situations and problems at work with your family that become a burden. You wake up in the morning, you feel it. You go to bed at night, 
and you're thinking about it. You, it may be that your life is more tangled up than a child's shoelace. You, you, you may feel like your finances are completely messed up. You, you may have legal situations. You may have uh, problems that are so heavy that your marriage may be in shambles and the list goes on. I challenge you with a word from God's word today. The solution is to call out to God during times of prayer and fasting. When it seems hopeless and when it seems like there is no way out, he is the way maker. Is it just a song or is it a truth? He is the way maker. And God can turn things in an instant that you've stressed over for weeks and months. It doesn't make any sense. Cast all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. I'm just telling you, when you fast, you can expect divine revelation. You can expect the power of God to be revealed. Now, I'm just gonna throw you throw this in as a side note. I have discovered in my walk with God for over 50 years that in my own personal fasting, when I am needing clarity of mind for a decision, okay, that it can sometimes take three to five days or more of fasting and prayer for my mind and spirit to clear up. I don't know how to tell you that because you've been, especially if you've been dealing with something for a long time, you've, you've been figuring out every angle, every possibility, everything, and it takes a while of fasting just to get all that junk out of your head. Then all of a sudden, clarity comes. All of a sudden, boom, you have like one of those V8 moments. You know, it hits you between the eye and you're going, God, why didn't I see that? And God said, because you've been looking everywhere else. You've not sought me. You've not listened to me. But when you fast, all of a sudden, it's like God puts something in turbo drive. I mean, I mean, and all of a sudden, clarity comes. God has a solution for the heavy burden through a chosen fast. And I guarantee you, it will work. The third thing is you fast for revival and the salvation of souls. And the reason I have that last part on there is because the modern day church today has skewed the whole idea of what revival is. They think revival is just a feel good kind of thing where we go to meetings and I walk out and I'm on cloud nine. Revival is God and his presence coming in such a way that people's lives are changed and salvation takes place and marriages are restored and families are restored and lives are absolutely changed. I think the reason that so many people are praying for a revival is they're praying for the wrong thing. I'm, I'm talking about the power and presence of a God that is so strong. I've seen revival in churches and I know one thing, that in the places where it happened, it didn't happen except after seasons of fasting and prayer. If you think this week, and this week alone is the fix all for all everything, you're mistaken. It's the launching point. 
It's the starting position. It's where we get out of the gate and we start going that way. Does that make sense? I'm just telling you, yes, God can do a miracle this week. I'm expecting miracles this week. I'm expecting testimonies. I'm expecting cards to go in there. And as we're praying over them each week, somebody's coming in and saying, God answered my prayer on my card. And I'm like, get up here and tell it. One unique characteristic of a church in revival is people coming to Jesus consistently. I remember years ago, my wife and I were living in Selma, Alabama, and we went to a little Assembly of God church around the corner. The pastor was an incredible man of God. His wife was an incredible woman of God. He was a preaching machine. I'd go hear him preach any day of the week, man. He was an incredible guy. But we were there during a time where they had been fasting and praying for several months before we moved to the town. And right after, not long after we got there, all of a sudden, every week, people were walking to the front to receive Jesus. Every week. I'm not talking about one or two. I'm talking about rows of people. And, and it was astounding. In, in like four months' time, the church went from like 200 to 500 and it wasn't people transferring from another church. It was people walking in off the streets going, I don't even know how I got here. I don't even know why I'm here. And all of a sudden they're coming forward. I mean, it was, and it continued for many more months after that. And I remember Pastor Ed, I, I, we went and played golf one day. I said, Pastor, can I ask you, what, what's happening here? He said, God is answering the prayers and fasting that we've been doing for the last couple of years. See, if I tell you that, people go, years? I gotta go years? You need to go fast. And you need to draw near to God because things ain't straight up here. It needs to line up with this book right here. They're just, revival, when it takes place, it just seems that the people corporately and powerfully sense the presence of God. When, when the pastor or minister has to say, I feel God in the house, how about you? Well, he's there because he says he's everywhere. But he's trying to sell you on something more than, more than likely. Because when God walks in, when his presence comes in, you don't have to say anything. People come in and go, there's something about this place. What is it? I'm, I'm sensing something. And I, I'm telling you, the last few months, I've been sensing it, like begin to bubble up, bubble up, bubble up, right in our own midst around here. I, 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 I'll never forget when we were in Dothan, Alabama, in a revival meeting. My wife and I had gone down there to do a four-day revival meeting, and we ended up being there almost four and a half months, preaching six times a week. And about the third week, this lady from the Chamber of Commerce newspaper came in and wanted to sell the the, the pastor an ad in her Sunday Saturday edition announcing Sunday services. And she said, I've never even noticed this church before. And it was a big facility and had like 12 acres of land. I mean, I don't know how you don't, you don't notice it. 
And he said, would you, would you like to just come and have a tour of the building? It was a fairly new facility, and she said, yeah, I like that. So we're walking around showing offices and classrooms and meeting rooms and fellowship hall. And he goes, and this way is our sanctuary. And we're walking down towards the sanctuary, and, and all of a sudden, we're about two feet from the sanctuary, and I look, and I see a tear starting to come down her eye. I think, that's weird. She's got allergies or something. And we open the doors, and we say, come on in. And she walked, like, across the threshold, and she stopped, and tears started coming down. She said, my God, what is that? And we're looking around like there's something stuck on the wall, like a big spider or something, you know? And she goes, I said, the pastor says, what, what is what? She said, I felt it coming down this hall. Well, what is that I feel? He said, man, that's the presence of God. She said, I go to church. I ain't never felt that. And he said, we've been having revival meetings and almost every night of this week and every night of the week and twice on Sunday and prayer meeting on Tuesday. And she said, what is it? She says, it's like, I said, well, tell me what you feel. She says, it's like a waterfall that's coming down over me and I'm tingling all over. And she said, what, what is it? I said, it's the presence of God. She said, oh my Jesus. I said, that's him. She said, I, I, I got to go. And she turned around and walked out. And she walked back down towards the office. And as we get towards the offices, you can tell it's lifting off of her. And she said, Pastor, just think about, here's my card. Call me if you're interested. It was just the presence of God. It was a spirit of revival that was on that church at that time. You can't govern those things. You can't make it happen. When God puts an open portal over your place and heaven just pours out like a waterfall, so I'm telling you that, you better be there. You better get in on it. You, we have to understand we, we live in a physical world, but we are in a spiritual world. And, and we are spiritual beings, and the enemy does not want the church to be on fire for God. The enemy does not want you to be excited about Jesus. And God says that the fast that I have chosen, he said, well, is to let the oppressed go free. So first we see to loose the bonds of wickedness and, and to undo heavy burdens, and now it's to let the oppressed go free. And I know one thing, if you are a true believer in Jesus Christ, a true follower of Christ, Holy Spirit lives inside of you. But you can still come up against demonic oppression in your life. How many, has you ever just all of a sudden or woke up with a heaviness upon you? Have you ever felt like you couldn't get a breakthrough? You feel like you don't have the authority to fight your way out of a wet paper bag. That's the oppression of the enemy. And God says he wants you to be free from that oppression. He wants you to walk in the victory that's already paid for. God wants your family and your friends and your neighbors to be free. And fasting increases your faith level. I talked about that last week. It increases your faith level. When the disciples couldn't cast out the demon, they said, why couldn't we do it? He said, you're, you're lacking faith. 
He said, this kind comes not out but by prayer and fasting. It wasn't that the demon was so strong, you had to fast before you could cast it out. Their faith level was too low. I mean, imagine they'd been doing this and seeing miraculous things take place. The 70 had come back and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So they built up a comfortableness in their life. They're used to it, okay? Then they come up with a situation and they say, we cast you out in the name of Jesus. And that devil, devil doesn't go. So one of the other guy goes, moves over. Let me, let me do it. I cast you out in Jesus' name. Nothing happens. So one of the ones goes, you, you're saying it all wrong. Let me do it. You know how people are. And, and, and it goes through the whole group of them, and they can't do it. So they say, well, let's all agree. And they hold hands and pray, come out, devil, and nothing happens. You know what happens when that happens? All of a sudden, their faith level takes a dive. And they're going, oh, why can't we do it? Why? Because now you got doubt there. Fasting increases your faith level. And, and we need to understand that. Remember, I talk about fasting is like going to a spiritual gym and working out and pumping iron. Fasting increases your capacity to praise him even when there's a heaviness that's there. Can I tell you that God says, I will remove the spirit of heaviness. And he said, I'll take off that, that spirit of mourning and I'll put on you a spirit of rejoicing. I remember the very first time it ever happened, a lady came up to the front. She was all hunched over like this and looking down. I said, ma'am, what's wrong? She goes, I don't know. I said, look at me. And she lifted her head like that, kind of like, she didn't lift her head. She just kind of bent her head neck down and looked. I said, stand up straight. She was beat down. And, and I said, Lord, you gotta show me what's wrong. And in that instant moment, I looked to her feet and I saw her feet encased in concrete. And, and you're thinking, well, Bob, Pastor Bob, that, that's your Italian mafia background. <laughs> and, no, that's what I saw in the spirit realm, concrete on her feet. And I'm like, okay, well, try and move with your feet encased in concrete. You ain't going nowhere. And, and it's depressing. And all of a sudden I saw the, the concrete smash and she had ballet slippers on. And I said, I said, there's a spirit of oppression on you. And I said, I take authority over it right now. And I got down on my knees, put my hands on her feet. And I said, I rebuke this oppression in Jesus' name. I said, God, we exchange the, these, this concrete oppression. And Father, put your dancing feet shoes on her feet that she might dance for you. And all of a sudden, she began to shout. And she was like, wow. I said, I looked up. I said, what? She goes, what is that I'm feeling just going up my leg like that? I said, it's the Holy Ghost. Dance. She said, I can't dance. I said, you can now. And she started like that, you know, and I'm like, hey, that's good. Because when you came up here, she was all down like that. And I mean, when, and, and all of a sudden, it was like I told the people, I said, I said, let a spirit of rejoicing break out. Just begin to dance, begin to shout, begin to clap. And the more we did that, that woman was totally set free. Totally set free. 
Fasting will bring victory over the spirit of heaviness and oppression. And not only that, it opens your eyes to the lostness of people around you. And if that doesn't cause you to fast and pray, nothing will. Number four, fast to conquer mental and emotional problems. And the next part of verse six says, to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. A yoke is something you would put like on a pair of oxen or even a single ox. And, and, and it's, the yoke is put on an oxen so that the one who is driving them can steer the ox in the direction it wants to go. I mean, you want it to go, okay? God wants us to be free to willfully be able to choose to follow him. So the question that I have is what is driving you? You say, well, what do you mean by that? Jesus is driving me. Really? Let's talk about that. See, some people allow their emotions to drive them. Do you reign over your emotions or do your emotions reign over you? Some people allow their thinking to drive them and you're supposed to reign over your thoughts. Bring into captivity every thought that opposes the, the royalty and the rulership of Jesus Christ. Some people's stress drives them. Some people anger drives them. Some people are driven to depression and despair by their negative thoughts. Some of them have found themselves in situations where the enemy says, go right, and they go right. The enemy says, go left, and they go left. They're under his yoke, and it afflicts their emotions, and it afflicts their mental state. And God doesn't want you to live under that kind of emotional strain. If you wake up in the morning, and you're in tears, and if you go to bed at night, and you have no joy or peace, it's time for the yoke to be broken off of you. It is time that the only one that controls you is the spirit of the living God. Romans 14 and 17 says, the kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is what the kingdom living is all about. God wants you free, and prayer and fasting is a key for you to be free. Number five, fast to be able to meet the physical needs of others. This is a very practical thing. But I think the church needs to hear it. Much of the American church has become more consumer-minded than mission-minded. Most, most Americans don't really know what it is to go hungry, you know? I mean, we miss lunch by an hour and we go, I'm starving to death. No, you ain't. <laughs> to death? <laughs> you ain't starving. You got a little rumbly in your tumbly. Oh, and so you use that as an excuse to go off on somebody. I had nothing to eat in three hours. There are hungry people in our world. And when you fast, it should make you more compassionate for others who are truly hungry. God says, the fast that I have chosen will concern those who are physically hungry. Look at verse seven. 
He says, this is a part of it. He said, is this not the fast that I have chosen? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to the house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover him? And people say, oh, but, but I, I can't do that. Oh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step on some toes, so you better curl them up. So, because maybe every Friday night or whatever night of the week it is, your family, you go out to eat. And then it's not nothing nowadays, especially to drop $30 to $80, $100 or whatever, depending on how big your family is. And you're probably sitting there going, I don't do that. Okay, then I'm really going to step on you now. It's nothing for you to go through a drive-thru two times a day at a coffee shop and spend $5 to $40 on some kind of concoction that somebody's come up with. How do I know? Because I pick up empty coffee cups and mocha latte chips and whatever you call them, sips and frappuccino things. I pick up empty cups every week left in this sanctuary and all over the church. I, I was convinced one week it was so bad I was going to put a table out in front and put them all out there and wait for you to come back next Sunday and say, please pick up your cup. So don't tell me you're not doing it. Or, 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 or you know, I, I, I'm going to get in trouble, I know. <laughs> I'm down that rabbit hole, I might as well go. <laughs> Or smoothie cups. Man, I, I went by the sign down past the smoothie place down the road and $5 Friday, I went, that's a deal? So I pulled up just to see what it was and this is back when my mom was still alive. She passed away three years ago today. And um, I pictured her last night at seven minutes after midnight worshiping and praising God because that's when she went. She wasn't eating, so I said, well, I'll go get you a, a smoothie with some protein added to it. Somebody had given me a smoothie card when I first moved here for $25. I had never had a smoothie in my life. And it had been in my wallet for years. For years. It was still in my wallet. So I said, I'm going to get my mom a smoothie with a little protein added to it. And, 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 and I said, maybe she'll drink this. And she was in the nursing home. And so I, I told him, I, I want a small smoothie, a little, a little protein thing added to it and whatever. And she, I said, how much is that? She said, nine fifty. I said, I only want one. She said, what size do you want? I said, small, nine fifty. I said, no one, it's $25. You're only going to get two of them by the time I pay for this thing. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I gave her the card and I said, it's still good for some more? She said, yeah. And so I saw $5 Friday and I said, shit, my mama gets smoothie on Fridays. Because <laughs> I can get three more like that, you know, with the, what was left on that card. I'm serious. You say, what, what's the point of this? Why not fast a meal? Oh. What if for one month you didn't go out to eat and you took that money and gave it as part of God's chosen fast? 
And you say, well, well, how would I give it? I'll give you a few suggestions. We support missionaries that run orphanages, that feed kids one hot meal a day. And that's all those kids get. We support Donna Engvall in New Orleans who ministers to the girls walking the streets. And I saw her post early this morning. They met a new girl at a new hotel last night and they were, to lavish, they were able to lavish gifts on her and share a word of hope to her. We support ministries in New Orleans that have a feeding ministry to the inner city. We support Acadiana Pregnancy Crisis Center who are helping women who are looking for answers. We support uh, Love Inc. right here in Lafayette again that cooperates as a local clearinghouse uh, that maintains the information for resources available to the people who are in need. Or just use the money to go give it to a family that you know or a person you know that's in desperate need of help. But do something. There's some of you, you've never given anything to missions. And I've not gone and looked, but I know. I, I, could, I guarantee I could go and look. And there's people who have never given. And there's some of you, every month you are faithful to it. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. But God honors it as a part of his chosen fast. So maybe that's too radical for you. How about one meal a month you don't do? Or one drive-by coffee, tea, smoothie, whatever. I don't want everything against the coffee shops. And I want you walking in next Sunday with your coffee cup go. It passed the bottom. <laughs> I ain't gonna think no less of you. Honest. But what if you gave one away? I did a study several years ago and presented it to this church many years ago, but I sent it to the National Assemblies of God. And at that time, the average cup of Coffee, just a plain coffee at Starbucks was $3 and $3 a cup. That tell you how long ago that was. And I figured out that if every person that calls himself a member or attends Assembly of God Church gave one the price of one cup of coffee, and I had somebody yell out at me, I don't drink coffee. I said, Okay, how about how about your value meal at your local fast food place? Give it up one time, and I figured up the numbers, and the national missions giving would more than double. More than double. One thing a month. Wow. God said it, I didn't say it. Number eight, fast for clearer insight in decision-making. This is different than what I talked about earlier. This is different in that it, it, this is different than problem solving. We fast to have a, a, a problem solved or a situation solved. This is, for, this is the fast for clearer insight into making decisions. When something comes to you, instead of you going, ooh, I don't know what to do, you've been fasting. And insight comes to you, revelation, knowledge comes to you 
sometimes you, there's a major decision that comes your way. Example, job offers, job transfers, buying a house, moving to another part of town, dating someone or considering marriage, having more children, going to the ministry, going to college. You look at, the, at a fork in the road and you don't know which way to go. Isaiah 58 and 8 says this, and then your light shall break forth like the morning. And the word there that is used for light is the, is the word that is used for illumination. Illumination, okay? In other words, your mind takes on clarity and God will cause your mind to be enlightened. When something comes your way, you have clarity already. You're not put in a funk, kind of going, ooh, I don't know what to do. There's clarity. You're able to make decisions and know that it's a godly decision. How many of you want to be able to make godly decisions and know that they're right? There have been times that I've made a decision and in that instant knew it was wrong. And I've gone to the person and backed out and said, I'm sorry, I can't go that way. God just checked me on that. You have to be able to have the strength to do that, the clarity of mind to do that. We know that when you, look, it's just a physical thing. How many of you know when you go eat food, all of a sudden the blood that was in your brain goes right to your belly? It's, it's why, you know, you're going to, you know, you want that two and a half hour lunch because you're going to spend 45 minutes eating and an hour and a half sleeping. Right? You know it's true. It's, a, it's a, just a physical fact that your body provi to, to provide the elements for your system to transport the digestion of your body, it, it begins moving blood to your stomach and your intestines. And when you eat food, blood's coming from your brain to get to your belly. And all of a sudden you're clapping. I hate to be a speaker at a conference or something after lunch. If, if I am assigned that demonic window at a conference, I know that I'm going to have to do stuff in that time frame to keep them from going. I've actually had people come to me going, Pastor, I'm sorry, I went to sleep on you. I said, I didn't even notice you. I said, the people next to you where you were snoring, they did, but I didn't even notice, you know? It's true. When you don't eat, the blood stays in your brain and you have clarity of mind when you begin to fast regularly. It's like God turns on the lights and now all of a sudden you know what to do. It's so obvious, it's so clear. And you know you are in his will and doing the right thing. And I'm gonna throw the side note and then get to the last point. I'm just gonna tell you, now if you go on an extended fast, and I'm talking about like more than skip a meal or something like you go on a fast for three days or five days or seven days or whatever like that, in the very beginning, you may experience a little bit of brain fog because your body is, is getting rid of some toxins and, and, and you're not gonna feel necessarily that great and that's why I warn people, if you're going on a fast, extended fast, get off the caffeine in advance or you will have a headache that will kill a cow. I'm telling you, man, it's just like, wow, because you're 
you're addicted and you don't even realize it. And your body, those toxins are being released and the grip of the, you like you need caffeine. I'd say go decaf or stop altogether before an extended fast. But I'm telling you that if you're on an extended fast, the first day or so is the hardest part. By day three or so, all of a sudden, strength comes into your body and you're revived. You feel stronger, clearer minded. Everything smells better, looks better. I mean, it just, it's amazing how it works in your body. So I'm just telling you, you will be, you can fast to be enlightened. Number seven, fast. Fast for the health reasons or healing. Verse eight says, your healing shall spring forth speedily. And the word healing means not only physically healing, but restoration. It's a Hebrew word. So God's attached it to fasting, okay? So you can choose, say, Lord, I need healing in my body. I need healing for my child. I need restoration for something. God, I'm going to declare a fast. Remember I said the Bible says, declare in advance what you're doing. Declare when it's going to be so that you don't break it. Number eight, fast for more righteous life and influential testimony. I bet you didn't know that was in there. Look at the next part of verse eight. And your righteousness shall go before you. The word righteousness here. I love this, means justification in controversy. Deliverance, victory, and prosperity. And prosperity doesn't just mean money. But that first part there is incredible. Justification in controversy. Somehow you're involved in something and you've been made to look bad and, and they come against you and, and no matter how, how you try and present yourself, it's like you're digging a bigger hole. Can I tell you, fast. God will take care of it. I've told this story before and I saw it tell just briefly when I, my wife and I in 1985 went to Vacherie, Louisiana and started a church and I began to write for the local paper that came out once a week and at the top of the page I wrote, you know, good news for today and I just wrote things from scripture and upbeat stories and things like that. And, and one time I made a statement that just because you've been raised in a certain church doesn't make you a believer any more than if you were born in a garage makes you a car. And the next week, the editor of the paper called me. She says, I'm just warning you, the parish priest down the road is taking out a full-page article against you. I said, I've never met him. He says, he's, 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 he's had enough of your stories. And he called me every name in the book, and, and I mean, it was vicious. And I said, I'm going to write. That's before computers. And I had a typewriter. My good news for today was I'm going to crucify this joker. And every time I get done with the article, Holy Spirit said, don't you send that in. Don't you send that in. I went through a pile of paper. Friday morning comes and the editor's calling me. She goes, where's your article? I said, it's laying all over the floor. God won't let me speak to this. And she said, well, you got to say something. And I said, I know. And God said, just ignore it. I said, oh God, you're asking a lot of me to ignore when this man is as off as off can be. And so I just wrote a pretty little good news for today kind of thing. And 
put it in the paper. My people, my, the new converts of my church that we just started, they were mad at me for not taking up for them because they were all telling their families, you're going to see, Pastor Bob going to tell them off. You watch. And then they got mad at me. I said, now I'm getting it from this side and this side. And a week or so went by and the editor calls me and says, he's wrote another article and this one's more vicious than the first. She said, I had to cut some of it out because I would not allow that to be printed. I said, okay, I turned one cheek. I ain't turning it again. This is my turn. And the baby, I'm telling you, I was ripping and snorting and tearing and typing and everything else. And on Wednesday, I get a, a, an envelope stamped New Orleans. And I don't know anybody in New Orleans. And open it up and there's a scripture verse and it just simply says, he says, if you try and, and, and justify yourself, your enemies won't accept it and your friends don't need it. Huh? And then there was a scripture from Isaiah in quietness and strength. Oh no. I gotta be quiet again? I said, this, I walk the streets, but God wouldn't let me off the hook. How many of you ever been there? God wouldn't let me off the hook. I wrote it again, the editor picked it up. She goes, where's the rebuttal? The Holy Ghost said, leave it to him. I left it to him. The following week on Thursday night when we had our midweek service, in walks a whole group of, of people from a certain neighborhood that, I'm just gonna put it this way, the people of my color would never be seen in. And like 18 of them walk in. And that's gonna help you. And they said, we feel like we're supposed to come here tonight. At the end of the night, I'm just telling you, they all got saved and over half got baptized in the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. God said, watch. And on Sunday, we had like 40 people walk in besides those folks of every color, but most of them from that church where that priest was writing these articles. I said, where are you from? They told me, I said, why are you here? They said, we come to see if you really had horns and a pitchfork and a tail. I said, why would you think that? He said, because that's what he's preaching every day in mass down the street. And we came to see if this was true. I said, well, no. They said, we didn't think so. The altars were filled that morning and our church literally went from 65 people to 130 in one week. Because God said, you let me take care of it. But during that time when I was upset, I was fasting and I was praying. And God said, and your righteousness will go before you. He said, I will justify you in times of trouble. I will bring deliverance. He, he's, his favor goes before us. His deliverance goes before us. Personal victories come easier because he goes before you. His favor rests on you and he prospers you more than you could ever expect. I'm just telling you the benefits of fasting are powerful. 
And the last one is fast for God's divine protection on your life. And the last part of verse 8 says, And the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. One translation says it this way, And the glory of the Lord will be your backer upper. I said a backer upper? I couldn't believe it. I was looking for a different translation. That's what it said. And, 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 and the modern vernacular says, And the glory, God will be, will guard your backside. When you fast and pray and seek God, God will be your rear guard. He'll, he'll, he'll be behind you. How many of you know what a financial backer is? When a, a, somebody wants to, they have a dream or a vision or an idea, and they, but they need the finances to do it. They, they go and share that mission or whatever it is, and a person of financial influence will take a stake in that person's project not because of the project, but because of the person who dreamed it and who's heading it up. They believe in that person. And what they're saying with their money is, I believe in this so much, I'm willing to put my reputation and my money on the line because I believe in this person. This is what it means spiritually right here. God saying, I, I'm backing this person. I'm backing his business. I'm backing their family. I'm their backer up because they've sought me in fasting. And when the enemy tries to sneak in behind you and, and God will stand up and go off limits. I'm his rear guard. I'm her rear guard. They've been seeking me and fasting in prayer. And no weapon formed against them shall prosper because I am his backer-upper. <laughs> the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Is it any wonder then why the devil wants the church to not know the power of prayer and fasting? Oh, maybe they'll pray. That would be a miracle. But pray and fast and on a regular basis? You want to send demons trembling? Start fasting and praying. If the disciplines of prayer and the disciplines of fasting does all these things and it does, then it's time to get busy. It's time to pray. It's time to believe. It's time to fast. It's, it's time. And I just tell you, it's amazing how much time you will find in your day when your hands are not eating, preparing, cleaning up after supper, watching TV, or engaged in other stuff. People say, I just never have enough time to read my Bible. Skip a meal and get in the real meat. And I'll leave you with this verse, Isaiah 58 and 9. And then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, here I am. Fasting smashes through any demonic resistance to the answer of your prayers. God said it was breakthrough prayers. Breakthrough prayers because they're back with fasting. You and I will fast, God. If we fast the kind of fast that God has chosen, 
then God will move. I say God will move. How many of you, while I've been speaking, God's been bringing something to your mind to write down on that card? Full already, I hear. You need it right on the back. If you need a pen and you don't have a pen, they've, they've, they've got some pens to hand out. I know what time it is. Maybe some of you going to lunch, I'm not, so I ain't worried. <laughs> That's cold, huh? <laughs> Everybody have a pen, everybody have a card. I'm gonna give you a little bit of time because I want you to fill out the top part and the bottom part, the same thing. And while you're doing that, I'm gonna tell you a real a quick story. In January of 1990, first week of January, my wife and I were in Guatemala. And the next to the last day, or two days before we were about to leave, the missionary told us, he looked at his adult son and said, you and I and Bob need to go to the prayer room. We know that God didn't send him and his wife down here just to sightsee. We've been doing other stuff, but let's go to the prayer room. We went down to the prayer room. It was just a cold, dark room downstairs and, and there was no furniture except for a couple little chairs. And when I say little chairs, I'm talking about a little wooden stool that's about this high off the ground. I mean, for me to sit in it, my legs had to be straight out. And they offered me that chair. They were getting down on their knees on that stone floor. Anyway, we just began to pray. And this man was a mighty missionary who'd been used mightily for 40, 50 years in deliverance ministry. I, he had ministered to me when I was in Bible college. And as we began to pray, all of a sudden, I literally felt like that chair I was in was being taken up through the sky. And I don't know how to explain this to you, but I know what happened. And there was two different parts to it, but I'm gonna tell you the first part. It was like I was taken up through the atmosphere to where I could see the whole United States and it was like, you ever been at, at the top of a Ferris wheel, like when you're coming over the top and it stopped? That's where I was, son. I was white knuckling in that chair. And I'm looking way down at the earth. God showed me things in 1990 that I wrote down that would come to pass, and they have all come to pass in just the last couple of years. Every one of them. But there was another aspect to that. While I was there, there was this darkness right above my head. And at one point I realized that darkness was like liquid. It was moving. It was dense and it was just, it was like it was alive. And I was like, that's creepy. I was made aware of it and, and, and what is that? And then all of a sudden I saw a shaft of light break through that darkness towards the United States, to a state somewhere in the United States. And on that shaft of light were two angels. And then that shaft of light closed up. 
and I saw more activity in that darkness. And all of a sudden I'd see a shaft of light over here with two angels. And I saw it happen several times. Angels going down on the shaft of light. I said, Lord, what is this? He said, it's breakthrough prayers. People fasting and praying. And he said, just like Daniel, he said he, his prayer was answered on the first day, but it took 21 days for the answer to get there because the enemy of darkness is trying to stop that message from getting through. He said, the darkness you see overhead is the prince of the power of the air and the principalities. But when people get serious and fast and pray, there'll come a breakthrough. And when that breakthrough comes through, he said, I respond and I send my angels down and I bring the answer. He said, they are messengers to the heirs of salvation. He said, don't be discouraged. And at that time in my life, we've been at the church where we were at for almost five years, start from what the time we had started it. And I felt like, God, we're not making any headway. He said, fast and pray for a breakthrough. It's coming. How many of you got your car filled out? As Pastor Justin leads us in worship song, going to ask you to get get one of your cards and come on up and drop it in there and you're welcome to not just drop it in you're you're welcome to stand there for a moment and pray or stand around it and pray but we're going to stand and pray and believe God you're making a deposit in God's bank in heaven right now can I tell you this is real how many of you can feel it how many of you can sense it this is real there's breakthrough coming. There's breakthrough coming. There's breakthrough coming. Here is where I lay it down. Every burden, every crown. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. And here is where I lay it down. In every life. Every time, this is my surrender. This is my surrender. And I will make room for you. Do whatever you want to do. Do whatever you want to do. And I will make room. Church staff, I want y'all to come, bring your spouses. 
any of the other board members, leaders here, whatever. I want you to come. And we're going to lay hands on this thing right now. And I want you to stretch out your hands towards us as we do that because we're agreeing with you. We're making a bond of agreement. There are miracles that are in movement in heaven right now. Because somewhere God's people have grasped hold of his word. And they're saying, God says, haven't got to move. They've chosen to go after me in a godly way, in a godly fast, in godly prayers. Come on, all of you pray right now. We're standing instead in proxy for the body of Christ here at Life Church. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we stand before you right now and we lay our hands on this container. There's nothing sacred about it, nothing holy about it. But God, your word is being established already in the heavens and beginning to move on earth. You said wherever two or three agree together, it shall be done. Father, we lay hands on this thing and recognize that every card has a prayer request or more and that their lives are represented, special situations that need breakthrough, restoration that needs to be made. God, there's so many things we can't even name them all, but we're saying on this day, we as a local body, we stand together, we agree together to see miracles take place, answers, breakthrough answers to come. Father, for the miraculous to take place, for the glory of your name and your kingdom, God, let it be known. Let it be known. Let it go forth throughout the area. There are churches that are being raised up that are calling on you in a godly fashion, through a godly fast and godly prayers. We thank you, Lord. The seeds have now been planted and a harvest will come forth. In the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Show yourself real. Let us see you move. Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. Your way is Have your way, Lord. So shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls. All my religion, your way is better. Your way is better. Shake up the ground, yes. All my tradition, break down the walls. All my religion, your way is better. Your way is better. 
but yours. Yes, Lord. Not my way, but yours. He might not answer your prayer the way you want him to answer. He might, he might not break those chains the way you want it, the way you think he's going to do it. But his word says he will do it. Don't be looking for a specific way. Be looking for the answer. It might come in a different way than you ever expected. So be for you. Jesus. Jesus. Do whatever you want to. Do whatever you want to. And I will make a now as we were singing that I saw I saw this and I didn't understand it and I was going to sit on it but now I've got revelation of understanding I saw a little girl in her room hiding in the dark crying out in the dark because her parents are fighting she was helpless. She alone. She had no one to turn to. She was crying out because her parents. She said, "I could hear her saying, please stop fighting, stop fighting, stop fighting.'" And I said, "Lord, if that's a little girl here, I wouldn't know who it is because how would I know if their parents are fighting?" The Holy Spirit said, "That's not the meaning of it." He said, my church has been like that little girl crying out from a place of darkness, thinking there's no one they could cry to that would hear them. But God said, I saw her. I heard her cry. And she humbled herself and cried. She was helpless. But her cry did not fall on deaf ears. I have heard it. And he said, this morning, my church is like the little girl and you've just cried out. He said, let them know their cry has not fallen on deaf ears. Amen. Are you ready? Woo, I don't think we are. <laughs> but we're getting there, come on now. I'm telling you, this is gonna be a phenomenal year. A phenomenal year. Jesus, we praise you and we thank you, Lord God. We thank you for your word and we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, we can come in your presence. We thank you for the promises, Lord. And now we commit this week to you. But God, it's not just a week. It's the beginning of a lifestyle for many of your people, Lord God. As we look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith, declare it to be so miracles come forth mighty answers to prayer breakthroughs that seem impossible in certain situations I wish I could explain to you what I'm sensing in the spirit 
breakthroughs that seem impossible. I see healing and restoration and relationships that seem impossible at this very moment, but I see it happening. And I accept it and believe it to be so. We thank you, Father. Now bless them as they leave here. Let them know they're being sent into a mission world and they need people who need a word of hope. Let them present Jesus. Not a church, not a denomination, not a core of beliefs, but present to them Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you need special prayer for anything, come and we'll pray for you. Otherwise, God bless you. Wednesday night, prayer meeting. Friday night, worship and prayer. Don't think it's just going to be.